0: So we just jump right into this. We had one point, and um, it was this: when unity, faith, and love prevail in the church, then so does peace and productivity. And we uh, we we saw that in Barnabas uh, taking Saul and making sure that he was welcomed in the fellowship, and he was doing his part. And we talked about fighting for unity and it's it's so important and we talked about not at the expense of doctrine not at the expense of, of the things that are Im- important but we should be fighting for the unity in the body of christ and for the kingdom of god again that's when peace and productivity happen and if you're not actively if you're a member of this church you're not actively involved in trying to facilitate unity uh, hopefully you were here you heard that and you're, you're you were urged to do so it takes effort. You don't just show up and unity exists. We, we It's there, but we have to exercise. We have to use our spiritual gifts. We have to engage each other. We have to make sure that we're making the effort uh, for unity, just like we saw with Barnabas. And then last Sunday evening, uh, hopefully you were here if you weren't, we talked about the faith of the saints who've gone on before. We were looking at the last part of Hebrews chapter 11, that it talks about that through faith, God did all these things through certain people. Uh, matter of fact, he did the impossible. He did things that had never been done before, uh, things like parting the Red Sea, uh, the, the Passover had never been observed before. There's several different things that um, we saw God do in the Old Testament, and we talked about that, that had never been done before. But those who were living in that time that God used, they activated these things God's hand by faith they move first they didn't wait for for, from this great wave of of this move of God and and then get excited and jump on the wave as it was coming by and we talked about this as well he used what many uh, in that time and I believe in our time he used many of the people that we would consider unusable right just regular people sometimes people that uh, we're very not only unusable, but very unworthy. People like Moses. Uh, somebody would look at him; he's got a stuttering problem. He ends up murdering somebody. Um, he he's got seemingly an attitude problem at times. I mean, he doesn't want to cooperate, and yet he he acts in faith, and God does something miraculous through his life, and he's recorded in Scripture. I mean. Uh, none of us, again, we know that the, the, the Bible's, you know the, the, the written word has already been uh, written and preserved for us and we have it now. But again, these people are written down in God's word. I shared that if we went around the room last, last Sunday night, if we around, went around the room and uh, we asked, you know, how many people um, would love to experience a real revival from God? I think that most Christians, if not every Christian in here, would we'll say, yeah, I want to. I want to experience a revival, a real revival in my lifetime. Not, not just a week-long event, not just a few-day event, not just uh, an emotional excitement. But I really want to experience something that is absolutely of God, 100% the hand of God moving in our midst. But what we talked about, as I said a while ago, the issue many times is that we're not all on the same page. First of all, we're not all striving together for the same thing at the same time. And on top of that, much like catching a wave, I've never surfed before, but I've I've watched and, you know, listened and people have talked about how it works, and again, you see how it works, but so many just want to live their life how they want to live their life, just kind of hanging out where the waves come in and the excitement happens. And then be a part of that really cool movement just in the right time. But I know surfers will tell you that's not how it works. And I'm not going to sit here to knock any specific churches or anything, but I think that's why we see such a, a flocking to mega churches today. And again, I know that there are some large churches that are, that are good churches. But I think there's a large, large reason why people like to go Um, because they can be a part of the hype. And then they can go back to their worldly-driven lives and agendas, missing the whole point of being a child of God on this temporal world, a member of a local assembly of believers, someone who is helping by faith to accomplish the mission for which we exist at all on this earth once we're saved. Again, that is reaching the lost with the gospel and teaching them to follow Christ. Many professing Christians don't want to live by faith. I'm convinced of that. Many want to, again, just hang out in that area where whenever the exciting spiritual things start happening, they can, they can kind of be a part of it and, and, and get boosted and, and get stirred up like, yeah, man, God's doing something amazing. Many professing Christians want to live in, in, a, in this zone of comfort and convenience. Not out in the deep end, not where it can get dangerous, not where you got to get to catch the wave the right way. Many of believers come to church in that same convenience. They want to get excited about any hype that's going on, maybe the music, a pep talk, and then nothing changes in their life. And I pray there's no one here like that. I pray that we know that if. Us, this church family, is going to experience a real revival from God, a spirit-driven move of Almighty God that we too are going to have to paddle out into the deep end. We, we are going to have to live by faith, maybe where there's not a whole lot of Christians there. And I believe that's there where God will create the swell that turns into a wave of revival. Speaking of pushing out in the deep, we, we're turning our focus this morning to Peter. Jesus told Peter at one point in time on his earthly ministry to, to push out a little further, to go out a little deeper than what, where they were. And again, we, we, we look at uh, what Peter is going to be doing now. Uh, the writer Luke of the book of Acts uh, turns the, the focus from Saul, who uh, he, he ends up journeying with a, along the way. But uh, we're going to come back to him. But Peter... Many of you have been here along the way. We left off in chapter 5 and 6 specifically. Um, he and, and uh, John had been beaten. They had been charged not to preach or to teach in the name of Jesus anymore. And uh, once they had been charged and beaten, they went back to the body of believers. And they went back to the comfort and convenience zones. <laughs> we know that's not the truth. The, the, the truth is, is they went back and they said, There's absolutely no way we're not going to teach and preach Jesus Christ. I mean, we saw him crucified and we've seen him risen. There's no way we're not going to give our lives to him and for him. We're told that at the end of of chapter five, that they, they said that they did not cease to preach and teach Jesus as Christ every day in the temple and in every house. They found a solution to the problem of daily serving the body in chapter six, uh, he and, and the rest of the apostles by selecting deacons, and then we saw this harsh persecution come on the church after Stephen was stoned. The church was scattered from Jerusalem. We knew that, we know that the uh, the apostles stayed there in Jerusalem to um, to keep the church alive. And Peter, we'll see, uh, we saw. I'm sorry, went down to Samaria, where Philip was preaching and a revival was going on. He and John. Uh, they they confirm this. They lay their hands on them. The Holy Spirit uh, fills those people there. They baptize them. And now we're going to come back to Peter and see what's going on with him and what he's going to do. So uh, let's pray and we'll jump into this. Father, thank you for this time again of worship. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be in your house and uh, to be gathered in your name to worship you. and. Lord, we do pray that you'll speak to us this morning. Lord, we thank you for the opportunities already uh, to lift up song and to lift up music and uh, to lift our, our hearts and voices and in praise to you. Lord, you're worthy of, of all of it uh, and so much more. Lord, we pray that now, as your word is, is taught and preached, as we look to you, uh, that you'll speak to us. That your spirit will have full reign in every single one of our lives. And uh, as it's already been prayed, if there's somebody here that doesn't have a relationship with you that they will enter into that relationship before they leave this place today. Lord, just have your way. Be glorified in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 32 of chapter 9, it says, Now it came to pass as Peter went through all the parts of the country, that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. There he found a certain man, man, I'm sorry, man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. That, That sounds pretty miserable. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. The amazing thing is he arose immediately. Uh, not like some of these um, other shams and, and, and things that you see in uh, modern charismatic movements where uh, you, you don't hear the, the behind the scenes, you don't see the, the truth and all of that. Uh, but when Jesus heals someone and any time, in the past and in present still, when he heals them, they are healed. He rose immediately. Look what happened. So all who dwelt at Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Again, they didn't, they didn't begin to, 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 to worship and to bow down. Uh, Peter, again, they had faced that at one time before, but they, they didn't say, oh man, this is, this is a, a, an amazing, they did one thing, they turned to the Lord. Now there's only been a couple instances that we've seen so far uh, and the Bible tells us about concerning those involved with this first century church uh, that we see people wanting and seeing or planning or experiencing something from God and they wanted something temporal be it money or, or power or acclaim and I'm talking of people specifically in this study that we've talked about like Ananias and Sapphira right they come to uh, the, the, the elders there, they come to the apostles and they say, we, we've sold some land too, but they had already conspired and they were being greedy. They, 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 again, they could, have, they could have kept back uh, part of it for themselves, but they chose to lie. And that was the problem. They came and said, oh, we, we sold this land and we sold it for this much and we're bringing it to the church to, 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 to help out with this, this, this work that's going on in this church. And, and uh, the Holy Spirit reveals that they were lying. They didn't have to come up with that plan. They didn't have to do all those things, but maybe it was because someone like Barnabas had come and sold land and brought the, the whole price, uh, the, whole, the whole value of what he sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, feet. And maybe they thought, well, man, we want to be a part of that too. We already talked about all that. So we've seen someone like that. Then we saw someone like Simon the sorcerer, right? This guy had power and influence. Uh, And the apostles come through, and they are seeing people's lives changed and people healed. And and he gets jealous of the power that they have. And he says, hey, how much does it cost for me to be able to have that type of power? And of course, Peter rebukes him for the the wickedness in his heart. And he said, you need to pray that God would, would forgive you and you wouldn't be judged for that. But each time in the church... God dealt with that motive. God dealt with those wrong motives. Each time that someone came and said, maybe we want to be a part of something God's doing, or we're excited about this, and they turned it to themselves, God dealt with them. Again, if they, they were his children, it was correction. Judgment is, is, is that word used, is, that word is used as well. Uh, but judgment, even if he, they weren't his, his children, maybe like Ananias and Sapphira and Simon. For the most part, what we've seen in this early church and I love this. It's a great example for us today. Is men and women surrendered, unified, sacrificing, walking by faith, loving each other, serving each other, sharing the gospel faithfully even in dire circumstances and even when it cost them their life. And God in the midst of those people, in the midst of his people, in the midst of his church, in the midst of this church, in all of it, was getting the glory for what was being done. Now, we, we talk about the people involved and we have some of their names, uh, namely the apostles, and then there's some people that are integral along the way, and we learn about these people a little bit. But there's a, there's a multitude of people that thousands, the Bible says that they were multiplying, we just read that. The, the church was multiplying in so many different areas and there's countless people we have we have no idea what their names are but they were a part of something amazing i think if every single one of us had the opportunity of being a part of what that first church was go, what was going on that first church we would never want to come back to the way that things are in 2021. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that with all of the modern conveniences and all of the, the, the amazing things that we have and are blessed with, especially in America, if we could go back and we could be a part of that first church and all the amazing, as the children of God, the, all the amazing things that they were experiencing. Now, I know some of them were saying, "What's well, not so amazing. I mean, we don't have our homes anymore. <laughs> we're kind of living on the run. We're gathering and worshiping. We're seeing God do miraculous things, but it's tough. But I think if, if if we say, yeah, man, I want God, I want to be a part of something amazing that God was doing, we were able to be a part of that. But maybe not. Maybe maybe we're too carnal. Maybe we're too affected by this world that we would have a dose of that and say, no, no, I want my 21st century Christianity back. I want the, all that comforts, comfort and convenience and kind of having God and, and church and, 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 and Christian things on my terms, on the way, the way that I wanted. I want to go back to that, verses like this, 24-7 all the time, sacrificing and giving and serving. I want to go back to that convenience stuff. Notice again, Peter makes it as clear as he did to the man that was laid at the temple's gate, that he and John said, Look at me. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. Give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Nazareth, rise up and walk. He says, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. Peter wasn't confused, Peter knew. Peter had already walked down the roads of failure before. Peter had already walked down the roads of doubt and and even denial. Peter had gone down those those, those roads and and, and he's also walked this road of faith and seen that it's always been and it will always be Jesus Christ about him. Faith, he has experienced very clearly, a determination to give Jesus credit, to give Jesus glory is what is, is driving Peter. And I'm not saying Peter's perfect because we're, we're going to see that pretty soon, he's not still. But Peter says, look, if you're going to be healed, it's going to be because of Jesus and because you trust him. So the man acts in faith, and Christ heals him, and he does, he gets up. But look again at the result of their faith, so all who dwelt at Lydda and Sharon saw him and turn to the Lord. I have to ask us this morning, do we want that in our city? Do you want that here? Do you want that here? All who dwelt in those cities, in that region, saw what God did and turned to the Lord. I have friends and family. I have neighbors, I don't want to see them saved, but I would love to see this entire city, the, the, the entire cities that, that compose this church, and we got people that live in, in, in further out cities, but around this church, this community here, I would love to see that because of what God is doing in the lives of people, others who are not in Christ are turning to Christ. I guess I said earlier, I'm burdened that many professing Christians aren't interested in truly following Christ, which is an oxymoron. Christians not interested in truly following Christ because to be a Christian is to be a Christ follower, to be a disciple of Christ. And so it's it's burdening today. And I'm not perfect and I'm I'm not even close to Peter. Again, Peter is not perfect. But it's burdening. I think every Christian in this place today, if you're truly a Christian, you're just as burdened as I am. That we see that there is this, 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 this movement, this air, I don't know, this fog in the Christian church that there are some who aren't interested in truly following Christ all in. We've talked about that recently. It's an all in, never ending lifestyle change. And but we live in this 21st century where, again, comfort and convenience. We're like hanging out just in that place where those waves start to crest. We just want to be there when the cool things happen. We don't want to necessarily paddle out there and trust Christ in the difficult ways, in the difficult, difficult areas. We don't want to sacrifice and, and put everything on the line for his kingdom and his glory. Again, I, I say professing Christians. Because there's so many today that show up for church that are seemingly more interested in their stuff and their happenings, their activities, their hobbies than what God has them here for on this earth. And I'm not saying that we can't be carnal, we can't be backslidden, we can't lose focus, we can't have seasons. We talked about that even a little bit last week. But what's concerning is when the world tells these professing Christians, you must do this. The world tells you have to do this. These professing Christians can disregard their professed Lord's commands to do this. The Lord says, do this. The Lord says, don't forsake this. The Lord says, go do this. The Lord says this. The Lord says this. But when the world comes and says, you must do this, the professing Christians say, well, we've got to do this. I'm telling you, there's not a new way to do it. There's not a new way to be the church, just because we live in a different century. It's not a new way to be the church. Times change. But the church is to do the same thing, as it did in the very beginning, as it was doing in our study, for the same purpose and the same motive. We should look just newer, more modern, but the same as them. But I do believe it boils down to what we're being motivated by. Uh, we want to see something happen in this city. We want to see something happen in this community. We want to see this revival and, 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 and entire regions turn to Jesus Christ. I believe he can still do it. I believe God can still do it. I believe he's still doing it. And around the world, I believe he's even doing it in America in areas. I believe he can still do it. I believe he can do it here. Amen. But it is, it is going to take something from us. Different, maybe, than the status quo, different than what we're used to doing. Point number one is this God can still turn cities to Him, but it still takes sincere faith, obedience, and the right motive from His people. Now, there's no question in my mind we could see a revival happen and us be a part of this and, and, and us because we, like Moses and like Peter and like others who went out deeper, who, 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 who had never experienced walking through a dry riverbed or seabed, who had never experienced the Passover and never experienced a death angel coming through, never experienced any of those things, but trusting God because he said so, we're going to do this, we're going to sacrifice, we're going to serve, we're going to be faithful we're going to be obedient. Why? Because he is our Lord. We want him to be glorified. Like I said about revival, most people in this room say, absolutely, sign me up. When the revival comes through, Brother Kyle, I want to be a part of it. I'll jump on that wave of excitement for Jesus then. But it never happens. Because it never happens. Because it's only based on that, that zone in the water of comfort and convenience and you're getting excited. I know, man, I see people out there, there's a few people out there in the deep end, really, there's faith is really being stretched and I just, I don't know, I I, I got a lot of stuff I just really need to keep in this comfort zone right here in this convenience zone, but man, when they make it in, I'll be there and they wait and they wait and it never happens and they miss the waves and they miss the timing and they're not a part of it. And so what ends up happening is they get disenchanted with the things that concern Jesus and his church. they say things like, it just seems so blank, it used to be so, it's not exciting, and on and on and on. I tell you this morning, it won't be until we do what the first church did, what I said already, men and women of God surrendered. Unified, sacrificing, walking truly by faith, not comfort or convenience. Loving, serving, sharing the gospel faithfully, even in dire circumstances when it's not popular, and that that, those times may be coming really quick. Determining with everything that God gets the glory for what is done. Ephesians chapter three, verse twenty. It's amazing. We've seen this verse twenty. Now out of him is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power that power at work within us, look at this, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. I have to ask you, Christian, this morning, what is motivating you? What motivates you on a daily basis? Ask yourself that question. Answer that in your own heart. What is your motivation on a daily basis? Don't skim through that question. Answer it right now in your heart. What is your motivating, what's the motivating factor in your life? You get up, you go to work, you have things to do, you've got tasks to accomplish, you've got responsibilities to do, but in your life, what is your motivating factor? Is it making money and paying the bills? Is it making sure that you get everything done that you have to get done? Is it not getting fired? Is it it making sure that you get the stuff that you want to get? What's your motivation? What is driving you? Every day you get up, God fills your lungs with air, blood still circulating your body, you're alive on this temple earth, and you have a full day ahead of you if the Lord wills. What's driving you? What pushes you? What motivates you? What's your motivation? Let me, of course, go spiritual on this. What motivates you to serve in this church? What, what motivates you to, to love the, the members of this church and to love others with a very unique, God-given kind of love? The love that he loved us with. What? motivates you to strive for unity and fight for unity like we talked about last week. What what, what motivates you to be faithful? Why are are you here this morning? Why are you going to come back tonight? Why are you going to be here every time the doors of what is motivating you? I I, want to submit this this morning because I I believe it's true and based off of scripture, based off of examples in in our history and our heritage. But if you're not driven by God being glorified in your life, you will get off track. I shared this last Thursday night with our worship team, and I, I, I believe this is so true. I believe if we don't get up every day and say, you know what, no matter what happens today, Lord, be glorified in my life. <laughs> No matter what I face, no matter what I go through, if it's a really, really good day, if everything seems to go well and everything seems to be productive and everything seems all my relationships are connected, everything's wonderful, there's no problems, no issues, then I just I want through all of that you to be glorified. But if I face this day and I'm not feeling good and everybody has a cross attitude and I don't get nothing done and I, don't feel, I miss appointments, I miss these things, then you know what, I want, I want my attitude, my heart, everything, I want everything to glorify you. I believe if we're not driven by God being glorified in our life, then we will get off track, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Therefore, we also pray always for you, Paul talking to the Thessalonian believers, who are being attacked, who are going through great persecution at this time. He says, we're also praying for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling to suffer like this and to fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. Why? That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you and him according to the grace of our God and in the, the Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Peter chapter 4 Peter's warning them uh, he says but the end of all things is at hand therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers above all things have fervent love for one another his love will cover a multitude of sins that's so true It doesn't mean that we say that sin is okay but man when we offend one another if we're operating in sincere love love covers that it bears with those offenses and then he goes on and says be hospitable to one another without grumbling It's the last time that i give them that the last time i do that they didn't say this they didn't say that they don't they don't treat me like that no be hospitable without grumbling as each one has received a gift minister it to one another. Whatever spiritual gifts, use it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as as the oracles of God. And if one ministers or serves, let him do it as with the ability that God, with, with which God supplies, that in all things, why? Whether someone's speaking the oracles of God or whether someone's serving in some capacity, let them do, why? That in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever, amen a verse we've used before in first corinthians chapter one jesus christ is our everything god uses base things he uses people like moses and peter and and common people like us he uses people like like that so that he gets the glory galatians chapter six but be it far from me to boast except in the cross of our lord jesus christ by which the world has been crucified to me and i to the world the point continues on in the next verses. So i'm going to hurry and finish when I want to get this, verse 36, at Joppa there was a certain a disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. Uh, I think I would go with Tabitha. This uh, one's, a, one's an Aramaic name, one's a Greek name. Uh, just call me Tabitha. Uh, this one was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did, but it happened in those days that she became sick and died, which is interesting, right? Think about this, Christian, who you're trying to be faithful, you're trying to serve, you're trying to be obedient, you're, you're trying to be sincere and all these things, and then something happens to you or something keeps happening to you. You're dealing with something constantly. It's a perpetual problem, perpetual trial. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. She became sick and died. Why did that happen? Look what happens when they laid, they washed her. They laid her in the upper room, and since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples heard that Peter was there. They sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. So Peter rose and went with them. And he had, and when he had come, they brought him to the upper room. And all the windows stood by all the widows. I'm sorry, stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. <clears throat> I am going to stop there because I, I got too much more to go. But I, I want to I encourage you with this this morning. You, you see this, yet another faithful disciple, We see it, yet another faithful servant of Jesus Christ. And what we'll see from her is she's in the same vein, wanting Christ to be glorified in her life. But I, I want to I back up just a little bit and challenge you again. What is your motivation? What's, what's motivating you? Did, why, why did you come here this morning? Was it because you had to? of what you're supposed to, or you want to hear somebody ask you where you were, how did you come here? And I just I want Christ to be glorified in my life. I want my, I want my worship, I want my time, I want service, I, I want everything, I want him to be glorified. If that's not the motivation, I'm telling you, Christian church member, you're, you're going to get disenchanted at some point in time. The the music's not going to be what you want. Your, uh, the, the connection that you have with people in the church is not going to be exactly the way you want it. Problems are going to arise. You're going to get disconnected and disenchanted. If, if you are saying you've got another motivation other than I just want Christ glorified in everything, it'll happen, and you'll get frustrated. You may even push away for a while. Man, if your motivation is on one-him-exalted with my thoughts, my, my desires, my actions, my whole life, everything I do, my work, my family, everything, I want him glorified And I believe that you will, you will thrive. And I believe that you will be an instrument that God will be glorified through. But don't be hanging out in this convenient zone. Don't be trying to hang out and, and, and live in your life on your terms with this comfort and convenience, and then wanting to be a, a part of something cool spiritually when it comes along. it Never works like that, never, never works like that. It's the people of God acting in faith, wanting Him to be glorified, and then God doing these miraculous things. Well, what's your motivation this morning? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for all that you do in our, in our church, Lord, thank you for all that you do in our lives. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for all these things, God. We pray that um, this morning as we respond to your word and this message, Lord, that we would respond the right way. Um, That there would be no ill motive, God, that we would not stand contrary to what your spirit's trying to do in our life. Lord, I believe there's coming a day soon where we are going to have to be accessing and activating a stronger faith than we are right now. We can't just keep dancing around and and playing in this world and, and not being serious about eternal matters. And then the serious time comes and us handle that very well. Lord, help us to activate real faith now. Help us to live in such a way that our faith does bring glory to you and that you can do the miraculous even now. Lord, we pray that you move now as we respond in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand. As he sings, I want to encourage you.